From the Engelberg Center on Innovation Law and Policy at NYU School of Law and USC's Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism, this is Knowing Machines, a podcast and research project about how we train AI systems to interpret the world, supported by the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation. I'm your host, Tamar Avishai. So let's talk about datasets. Artificial intelligence is, of course, full of them. It runs on them. It is them. Generative AI models are trained on the unimaginably voluminous amounts of data that have been scraped, grouped, and are actively interpreting our world, even as I say this. The data set used to train a generative AI model influences what it does, how it responds to prompts, and what it produces. Small idiosyncrasies within the training data can have huge outcomes on what it produces. And this data is on literally everything. I mean, think about what ChatGPT is capable of. In the last episode, you heard about the role of data sets in facial and emotional recognition. And in the next episode, you'll hear about their role in the birder community, in journalism, in art. If the human brain has conceived of it, you'll find it in a data set. And today, we're going to talk about how a data set is made, and specifically, who is making them. Because yes, they are made by people. We tend to think of data as objective or neutral, conveniently forgetting that both data and data sets are profoundly shaped by the intentions and biases of their creators. So who are these creators? What kinds of micro and macro constraints are they under? And what kinds of questions do they have to think about and grapple with before they unleash these unwieldy, unstable repositories out into the world? Questions like, when is a data set ready to train an AI model? Does the data set accurately reflect what it claims to reflect? Could it be misinterpreted or misused? To talk about these questions and maybe suss out some answers, I sat down with Will Orr and Kate Crawford, who, as part of the Knowing Machines project, undertook a comprehensive study on dataset creators. This study is the first of its kind, interviewing 18 dataset creators and actually centering their voices, which have historically taken a back seat to model designers and developers. And what they determined in particular were four central challenges faced by creators that shape the construction of data sets. Here's Will. So firstly, scale. Data set creators felt increasing pressure to scale up their creations. Yet this brings with it associated costs, such as the inability to adequately care for its contents. Resources. Creators often negotiated limited computational and financial resources in constructing and making use of data sets. Yet these trade-offs can compromise the quality of subsequent data sets while also limiting who can meaningfully make use of them. Shortcuts. Data set creators can rely on shortcuts and proxies that, when naturalized, um, lead to systemic failures uh, that can affect those who rely on them downstream. And finally, accountability. Creators communicate an ambivalence regarding where accountability for their creations and their impacts lie due to the legal constraints they were operating within and the inability to control the uses of their data set. 
Okay, remember these four challenges throughout this conversation. Scale, resources, shortcuts, and accountability. And of course, the importance of centering creators and their voices. So yeah, like you said, uh, we interviewed 18 data set creators for this project. And for this podcast, I met again with two of them. Uh, Chandra Bhagavatala, a lead researcher at the Allen Institute of AI, and Robin Gia, a computer science professor at the University of Southern California. You'll hear their voices over the course of this episode, you know, when we really want to drive a point home. Here's my conversation with Will and Kate. So, Will and Kate, thank you so much for joining me today. So I want to learn about data sets today more broadly, but I also want to learn about your study more specifically. So let's start broad for people like me who are coming into this subject fresh, and then we'll get to the study. What is a data set, and why is it so important for AI? So uh, data sets are essentially the, um, the collection of all the data that is then fed into these machine learning models. And so we have like two um, primary forms of data sets. You have these um, large training data sets that are used to kind of as like the foundations of all these machine learning systems. And you have these uh, benchmark data sets, which are also used to evaluate how these systems work. And essentially, these data sets produce the representations of everything that is, you know, that comes to be represented within these AI systems. And so when these systems fail, right, um, and when they produce harms, we can look at these training data sets to kind of understand why that might be the case. And, you know, what forms of data may have led to these uh, misrepresentations or harms. So what inspired you both to take on this study of dataset creators? Well, dataset creators are incredibly important in the ecology of how we make AI models. Uh, in so many ways, datasets really set the epistemic boundaries, the 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 model of the world uh, that will create, you know, how a system interprets the things that it's, you know, fed. So in this sense, dataset creators have an enormous amount of power and input into what an AI model looks like, how it works. Yet there haven't really been many studies that have really centered dataset creators. And, and this was something that um, I was remarking on with Will um, when we first started working together, uh, gosh, a year and a half ago now. Um, and so we really shaped this study to, to essentially go and find dataset creators and to ask them questions around what is this process, this social construction of data sets? You know, it's it's not just one person, you know, sitting in a room deciding what a data set will be and then building it. It's often sort of in these institutional contexts. Sometimes they're in tech companies. Sometimes they're in academic labs. Um, sometimes they're in these sort of, you know, wider sort of research conglomerates. So finding out those kinds of questions was, was you know, a, a really major motivation for the study. Mm. Yeah, and I'll just add, you know, these data set creators, they, they're often um, faced with, you know, a myriad of, cha of challenges throughout their, um, their creation process. And they often have to make these decisions on the fly that materially shape the way these data sets uh, are constructed in, in the end. And there's no clear ways to kind of make these decisions, right? Often they have to rely on ad hoc practices or subjective determinations throughout their practice. And so what we really wanted to do is kind of like shine a light on this practice of data set creation itself. This is a labor that's kind of often devalued in the pipeline of um, machine learning research uh, and then doesn't get a lot of attention in, say, like research papers. And often these, these data set creators are, are learning lessons often just by themselves. So we wanted to kind of bring these voices together to see what we could learn from data set creators as a community. 
Exactly right. And, and and we could think about this as a form of ground truth construction. You know, that that's really what these architects are building. This is this is the ground truth. They're, they're building the foundation. So for this work to be undervalued and under-theorized in computer science and in AI more specifically, I think it's a bit of a problem mm-hmm. because it, it is so important. Uh, and so part of this process is hearing from data set creators, hearing about these challenges, but also hearing from them about how things could be better, how mm-hmm. these challenges could be addressed, how we could actually make uh, you know, stronger, more ethical, more helpful frameworks and, and forms of thinking to guide data set creators. And briefly, can you talk about the inner workings of this study, like the methodologies that you used? Sure. So, you know, Will and I started working together about a year and a half ago, um, and it was very clear to us that data set creators are a really important constituency if you want to understand how AI models are being built and the impacts that they have in the world. So we looked at the literature in this space and we were really surprised to find that there aren't really any major studies that center data set creators. So it was very clear to us that uh, this was a gap that should be addressed. So we designed a study uh, back in early 2022, where we wanted to really look at a wide range of data set creators, data set creators who are making, you know, really specific data sets, in some cases, benchmark data sets. And we came up with a a set of around 18 data set creators to interview. Yeah. um, So the the creators that we interviewed were, you know, from a a wide range of uh, data sets, right? Uh, And also from a wide range of contexts. So many of them were from um, academia and from universities. And we also had some data set creators that were from nonprofit organizations uh, and, and a few that were also located within uh, private tech companies as well. The data sets themselves, yeah, there were you know, a range of um, benchmark data sets and large scraped data sets. And, and often they were from a, a wide range of domains as well, including emotion recognition, action recognition, a lot of natural language processing and personal recommendation as well. And I think what's important is that the data collection process itself was was diverse. So many of them were collecting data sets with crowd workers. Some were also scraping data sets. And so what we really wanted to do was understand how data set creation is working as a field, as a whole, and to to really uncover the shared challenges um, that are faced by this community. And I'll add to that that... Uh, we spoke to a few, but not many uh, corporate researchers, because of course, in many cases, researchers inside uh, major tech companies aren't really free to speak about how they're making large scale data sets, which of course represents another problem mm. for really looking into the often quite opaque processes of how AI systems are built. Okay, so let's move on to the findings of this study. Um, was there anything glaring that you saw data set creators not addressing in their work, like any open challenges that aren't being addressed? Yeah, I think there's a, a number of um, open challenges uh, in the data set creation community. I think that, um, you know, big ones are privacy and consent. So at the moment, large um, the way large cr- data sets uh, are kind of created is by like scraping large, large amount of data from the, from the internet. Um, and often this is, you know, without getting consent of the people that are kind of represented within these data sets. And at best, you have um, this kind of like opt-out consent. So if you find that your data is, is um, within these large data sets, you're able to kind of request that it is removed. Um, what I'd love to see in the future is, you know, moving towards this kind of opt-in consent as well. So having um, positive consent of people that, are, that know that they're being 
um, collected and they're, and they're willing to be um, represented within data sets. Um, I think there's also a larger question of about privacy, whether people want their data within data sets at all. And, you know, in this new era of generative AI, I think these questions are more pressing than ever. Okay, so I keep hearing so much about scale. Why is scale so important in the creation of data sets? Yeah, so that's a really good question. So I, so scale is such a motivator for many of these data set creators, right? Um, this kind of comes from the, the notion that if you have a large enough data set, you'll um, inevitably be able to kind of produce these novel outputs or um, interesting findings, essentially, with, with your data sets. And this is kind of with the, the thought that uh, a larger data set is also seen as kind of more objective and you're able to kind of get to this more, uh, this essential truth of the data. So when I talked to Robin Gio about this, remember he's a professor at USC, a data set creator who I recently spoke to for this podcast. Here's what he had to say about scale. The reason why the, like, this large size was so important was that uh, you know, these, these neural network models that I mentioned they're not very good at learning from only like a few examples. So, so in order for them to be good, they really need to see a lot of examples of like, oh, this is the input you're giving me and what is like the correct output I'm supposed to give, right? What is the correct answer to all these different questions? Um, but it turns out if you have 100,000 of these um, pairs of questions and answers, um, they can actually learn to, to do this task quite well. But what we find is that scale kind of brings all these unexpected challenges uh, as well, right? So instead of scale kind of drowning out the noise of, um, of data sets, what you see is that scale just uh, exponentially increases it. So we have, you know, these large data sets that essentially um, have a very, a very poor quality. Uh, and, and that job of cleaning these data sets is always left to the user of the data set who may not really have the tools or, or means to do so. We also see scale kind of impose operational constraints upon um, data set creators, right? So despite them the wanting to create the largest, largest data sets possible, Often that means there are technical constraints, such as scrapers breaking down because there's just too much data. There's resource constraints. So scraping a lot of data can be quite costly as well, or you know, um, engaging with um, many crowd workers as well can be quite a resource intensive endeavor. Um, and this itself can kind of shape the data set and, and mean that it's often not the, the best artifact that they could have achieved, but rather a, a compromise for, mm -hmm. with these objectives in mind. When I spoke to Robin, he really highlighted the pressures and trade-offs that an imperative for large-scale data sets imposes on data set creators. And this is particularly regarding the resources needed for their creation. I mean, honestly, like kind of keeping, keeping costs down, I guess, is a, is a big one or else you, you run out of money, right? And so it really puts a lot of pressure on you to kind of, you have to kind of decide what you want to do and then you kind of have one shot to do it at large scale with the budget you have and then that's that's your final data set. It does kind of hurt your ability to iterate. It uh, also just makes things slower. For crowdsourcing specifically, it's there's this like balance of like you want to, obviously like if you find more people to work on your task, then they, you, your task can get done faster. But then are you, you know, hiring people who maybe aren't doing the task as well as you would like them to do, right? So there's that sort of trade-off. So we see how resource restrictions can limit creators control over a data set. And this can have material impacts on the quality of the data set downstream. Anyone who's like try to do stuff with crowdsourcing knows that like you have to be very careful about kind of getting actual high quality work, right? So there's a lot of different people on these platforms 
they're going to vary in a lot of different ways, you know, for whether are they, are they really trying to do the task or are they kind of spamming? Or even if they're trying to do the task, just like some of them might have a better grasp of what, you know, what is expected of them or some of them might not have understood the the instructions or, you know, there, there's there's a whole sorts of other things, issues that can arise. And basically that means there's a, you have to do a lot of quality control. Again, this is Chandra Bhagavatala, a lead researcher at the Allen Institute of AI. Uh, there is a lot of careful curation of this community of annotators that needs to happen behind the scenes. Uh, and it takes a lot of time and effort to actually do that. It, this doesn't make into research papers. Uh, yeah. It's glamorous, but it is actually a lot of work to to initially do that. Just to get people to uh, generate uh, the, the Vinograd schema formatted questions, uh, it took us multiple iterations. Like um, My guess is, I don't exactly remember, my guess is about two months to... Uh, of of constant iteration and back and forth to actually get to that stage, and that's wow. just the format, uh, like sure. or, or the kinds of questions. So there are other challenges that we had to tackle as well. So Robert and Chandra both underscore the challenges that this drive for larger data sets impose on data collection and quality. Exactly, and, and it's important to remember that with scale comes a type of unwieldy kind of collection. It, it can really be very difficult for data set creators to sort of work with these data sets because, you know, as, as one of the uh, interviewees said to us, at a certain point, a data set is just too large to audit, particularly by any kind of manual means. And, and, and what that means is that fundamentally creators aren't actually looking at these data sets. They're not opening them up and seeing what's inside them. And that's a real problem because in so many cases, particularly with these internet-sized data sets, there is just a lot of really bad data in there. Sometimes it's just bad quality. Sometimes it's really problematic representations. Um, you know, it, it, it's really quite gnarly when you really start to open up a data set like, you know, Lion 5B and you see 5 billion images, so many of which have been scraped from e-commerce sites and Pinterest and then these, you know, really grainy, you know, badly described images. And this is the foundation of making sense in AI. So this, this problem of scale really can also introduce a problem of quality. Okay, so what are some of the constraints that dataset creators are operating under? And like, I mean, how do they make the trade-offs they must have to make in order to meet their objectives? Yeah, so there's you know a lot of constraints that uh, data set creators are operating under. So a big one is about resources, um, and this isn't just financial resources, but it's also time of the um, data set creators themselves. Um, is the compute, so the the computational resources, and and also labor. And so the you know creating data sets can require massive amounts of labor throughout the data creation um, pipeline. And each of these, and, and you know, there's also um, funding deadlines and and competence sub, uh, submission deadlines that um, data set creators are often racing towards. And these constraints often um, shape the data sets and their final products. So what this means is that you know, data sets kind of often exist as a compromise between many of these constraints. So for instance, we had one data set creator that was really interested in collecting uh, data you know, across all genders. But due to the constraints of their work, they were only able to collect data in a certain period of time. And they were only able to source participants from their computer science department, which was largely skewed, skewed towards um, male participants. Uh, in the early 20s. And so what this meant is that the data set itself became overrepresented by um, by males and, and females were drastically underrepresented in this data set. 
So while they have this ideal of providing uh, a diverse data set that's representative, uh, in practice, you get this data sets that is a compromise of their um, operational constraints. And it's interesting, this sort of, there's always a, a challenge balancing time, money, and compute in these these processes of, of data set creation. And it's compounded by the fact that this work isn't seen as being important or it's mm. not valued as, as being as anywhere near as sexy as being like, you know, the people who are writing, you know, the, the algorithms and creating the models. So it, it often isn't prioritized in budgets. It's often not given enough time. It's, you know, being given a kind of small compute cycles relative to actually training the model. So because it's sort of at the bottom of the hierarchy, it often is sort of being pulled together really quickly with these sort of big problems around the diversity or the quality of the data. And that goes on to really impact the models and to impact how they work in the world. So this layer is, is just consistently undervalued and ignored, even though it is so important. Creators also spoke about making trade-offs throughout as solutions to problems they encountered along the way. Dataset creation is rarely a straightforward process, and creators all expressed running up against unexpected challenges during the project that often called for unique solutions. So Chandra spoke about the overrepresentation of easy instances in the data set and the costs of implementing an algorithm that could filter these out. So one big limitation here is that just by the nature of the algorithm, since it filters out or retains hard instances, it is prone to retaining noise as well. What mm -hmm. is more, more difficult, like the most difficult part to predict, it's noise. Uh, so we do retain And what do you mean by noise? noise? Yeah, so uh, let's imagine in general, most of your data set is clean, but there are some instances where going back to the sentiment example, the sentence is clearly positive, but it is labeled negative through some error somewhere in your pipeline, right? Uh, that is a noisy instance. Uh, and it is going to be super hard to predict that if you are doing well on all of the other instances. And sure. you're always going to get that instance wrong. So. Instances like that, misannotated instances is an example of, uh, of noise. So mm. there are definitely uh, chances of noise, uh, noisy instances being present in, uh, in the final data set. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting example of, um, you know, some of the trade-offs that kind of are made throughout the process of, of data set creation as well. And, and also like, you know, sometimes you need to look for um, innovative solutions, I guess, and ad hoc solutions to the problems that you face. Um, so yeah, I think it's a really, it's a really um, fascinating example for that. And so these constraints and challenges, like what impact do they have on this idea of accountability? I mean, who takes accountability for data sets and their impacts? Yeah, so this is a really um, big challenge in the creation of data sets. So on the one hand, these creators you know, that we spoke to, um, they do recognize that they have a material impact and, and control over data sets and that the ways these artifacts are you know, shaped and, and inform machine learning systems, right? So every decision that they make essentially like changes the data set and, and how um, things become represented. Yet at the same time, they feel constrained due to their context, right? I think particularly talking to data set creators in, uh, in corporate contexts, we hear about how legal departments may dictate the final forms of data sets and, and really shape the way that these data sets are able to be sent out into the world. For instance, one data set creator noted that they weren't able to release the data set at all, and they just had to release the code to reproduce a data set. Um, and that meant that they had to rely on these publicly available artifacts that were themselves flawed, that they couldn't necessarily change, even though they would love to. 
And so what this means is that you kind of get this data set that is itself flawed uh, and the data set creators don't feel as though they have control over it um, in the first place. Uh, on the other end of the scale, you have, you know, the creators uh, are unable to know how users kind of make use of their data set in the end. So they might write these very extensive um, terms of use, for instance, about how they would like their data set to be used. But these are only really suggestions. And so creators felt that they were um, unable to control how their data sets uh, were used um, down after they were released into the world. Um, and that really yeah, muddies this question of accountability over data sets. Okay, so in this era of generative AI, what are some ongoing open challenges that data set creators face or that you know, data set creation faces? Yeah, it's a big question at the moment, I think. Um, so I, so the data set creators that we spoke to, um, for this, for this episode, at least they were pointing towards this question of how do we benchmark what the capabilities of, um, generative models, you know, previously data sets were kind of created to test a specific task of a, of a machine learning model. Um, and then the capabilities of, of a certain model were then ranked on a leaderboard as, as a representation of, uh, the capabilities of, of the industry of the field. And yet these same techniques don't necessarily work any longer in the era of generative AI um, in these free-forming texts um, that might not have like a single right or wrong answer. So how do we kind of test the capabilities of these generative models, I think is a, a really important thing that we're going to need to address uh, quite soon. And also along with that is what are the most important aspects to be benchmarking, I think is a really important question to be addressing. So what are the most important capabilities that we really need to evaluate um, of these models? Similarly, you know, if you're given a document, you have to summarize it. There's lots of different ways to summarize the document, right? So we enter this area where um, there's no one right answer anymore. And uh, this is also where I think like real kind of uh, impact of ChatGPT is also in these same sorts of situations, right? Where you, you ask it something, it gives you some very long answer. And it's impossible to kind of enumerate all of the correct answers to your question and just check if its answer is one of those. So this issue has been around for a long time, and it's generally something that, that makes benchmarking a lot harder. Uh, so the, the kind of normal, the kind of gold standard for evaluation in these situations is what people just refer to as human evaluation. So basically, you know, you just have to get a person to look at this model's output and just judge, you know, how, how good is this? Um, in fact, like we know that OpenAI is literally doing this. This is part of their pipeline of, of creating ChatGPT is they, they pay people to look at ChatGPT answers and say if they're good or not. Yeah, they were also speaking about how crowd work might be affected by generative AI systems. So they were saying that while data set creators uh, often might rely on crowd workers to source their data, these crowd workers have started using ChatGPT, for instance, to generate their, their data sets. So how does this kind of flow-on effect kind of impact the data sets that we then make? Uh, I think that's an important challenge as well. Okay, so if I'm understanding this correctly, one of the issues here is that essentially a generative AI model is pulling from AI-generated data, like that's what's training it. Exactly right. You can think of this as a kind of, you know, inception phenomenon where all of these generated images and texts mm. are now becoming training data sets in their own right. And you're starting to see sort of more and more abstraction away from, again, this idea of what ground truth is. And as we've, you know, discussed in other episodes, 
given the problems with representation, with bias, with sort of dehumanizing uh, ways of, of depicting particular uh, types of people, imagining how that then becomes this idea of how the world is represented just raises really major challenges for the field. Uh, of course, there are a whole series of technical questions you could ask about how synthetic data will actually create the next generation of AI models. But so many of the data set creators that we spoke to are really concerned about this problem. I, I was going to say inception. That's that's <laughs> where my brain just went. Um, okay, so how can data set creation be improved? Oh, so many ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's plenty. I mean, I think one of the big ones is um, striving for data quality, right? So everyone that we spoke to uh, was really... Um, Stressing to us the importance of of making sure that the that the data is of a sufficient quality, um, and to really know what the data is even saying at all. And as we were saying that you know this notion of scale can kind of sometimes challenge how we can uh, understand the data in itself. So particularly, they were saying to really look at the data and make sure that it represents what it intends to in the first place, uh, and and to make sure that the task itself is a valid like a valid representation within the data set. I think. They were also mentioning the importance of, you know, making mistakes along the way. So a lot of them were, were saying that it's impossible to know everything that will go wrong in the creation of a data set. But the important thing is to, to make those mistakes, to realize them, to check those mistakes and to then improve. So iteration is, is so crucial in the creation of data sets uh, in order to finally get a, a data set that you're happy with and that is, that is of a high quality. Mm -hmm. um, and as Robin explained to me, high quality data is also important for building trust among users and their motivation to use a data set. Like besides just being large, I think we also did a pretty good job for the most part of ensuring that what the data set says are the correct answers are like actually correct. And this is like kind of a, a, a trivial thing, but I actually think it, it makes kind of a big difference if you're someone who's working on uh, a data set and you know you just look at some examples and if you see there's a lot of like issues with them, it's just, it's kind of demotivating. You're like, oh, you know, how high of an accuracy is even possible if there are all these kind of mistakes in in the data set itself. So I think just like, I don't know, looking at your data, like trying to think from the perspective of like, if, if someone else is looking at this data, would they actually be motivated to work on it? Or would they feel like, oh, there, there seems like there's a lot of issues here. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to avoid using this data set. Another really important issue is collaboration. Uh, this is something that multiple data set creators noted that having a team where people will actually pay attention to different aspects of a data set has been very helpful to them. And clearly interdisciplinarity here is important too. Um, it's very rare that a data set creator is working in a team where you have people with a computer science background as well as people with a social science background or even a humanities background. So you can imagine the ways that some of the problems that we see with these data sets could be addressed much earlier on in the pipeline if you have you know, a really good collaborative team from diverse backgrounds asking those questions at the very beginning. Yeah, and I think the you know the other one that we've been pointing to throughout this episode is to really strive to value this data set creation labor as as an appropriate and um, important part of the uh, machine learning pipeline. Um, so for too long, this this labor has kind of gone uh, unseen and unvalued. Um, but really, it needs appropriate resources. It needs the time that um, that is required to make these data sets um, of a high quality, uh, and it needs the um, the community as well to yeah sh share these uh, understandings and these findings. 
So when I was speaking to Chandra, he really echoed this sentiment. I feel like as a community, we don't uh, value dataset work as much as we value modeling work. Mm. Um, even when we know that high quality data is the one that uh, like really fuels uh, a lot of these models, right? Uh, and higher quality data can lead to better results with smaller models even. Yeah, I think uh, we need to somewhat try to change that uh, attitude a little bit uh, or like as, as a community value dataset work a lot more. And I'll share a, a bigger concern that I have about what's happening with data sets generally. Certainly for many years since, uh, you know, a group of colleagues and I wrote a paper called Data Sheets for Datasets, we've been really worried about the fact that so many datasets don't even have any documentation or information about where that data came from, who's represented it, what was it intended for in the first instance. And without the, that kind of baseline information, it becomes really difficult for so many of the people who want to use that data set. It, it just means that that information disappears with all sorts of problems that get produced down the line. So this issue around how we understand uh, what is in a data set is something that is still, uh, you know, it still hasn't really been addressed. There is no clear industry standard around this. And we have a second problem now too, which is that a lot of AI companies are not releasing information about which data sets they're using to train models. So we know nothing about what data sets we use to train GPT-4. For example, we knew a little bit about GPT-3 and even more about GPT-2. So in a weird way, we're actually going backwards with each new model. We know less and less about what was actually going into that AI model. What were the training data sets? And that presents a real problem. It presents a problem for researchers who are trying to you know, improve these models and think about that data more constructively. But it also presents a public problem, which is that you just don't know what information is going in there or why you're getting the results you get, that I think creates another type of distancing from accountability in terms of the impact that these models have in the world. Well, Will and Kate, thank you so much for the time and the research that has gone into this study and for your time today. Thanks so much for having us, Tamar. It's been an absolute pleasure. Next time on Knowing Machines. A bird in the hand is worth two in the large language model. How are these systems changing the way that we know birds? And then you also have on top of that, the birds themselves and how they like f with the process of becoming data. We'll see you then.